Hello, I'm Dermot Hudson. I'm a professor at Loughborough University, London, and a visiting professor at the Paul Department at the College of Europe in Bruges. I'm here to talk about my new book, Circle of Stars, A History of the EU and the People Who Made It, which is published by Yale University Press. This book tells the story of how the EU endured during three turbulent decades, from the signature of the Treaty of Maastricht in February 1992 to Russia's invasion of Ukraine for the second time in a decade in February 2022. Why did I write this book? Well, it's a tribute of sorts to the kind of books that inspired me as a student of the College of Europe and which still inspire me as a teacher. One such book was Derek Unwin's The Community of Europe, A History of European Integration Since 1945. I encountered this book on an EG course I took in my first term at Bruges called Historical Foundations of the EU, which is still taught by Wolfram Kaiser 25 years later. This course and this book really helped me to take a step back from the rush of details I was receiving in the early weeks of the college and to do two things. One was to understand the long historical arc of European integration. We can't understand the present challenges facing the European Union without understanding the past. Secondly, Unwin's book helped me to evaluate what I actually thought about the European project. A second book, which I found very influential, is Mark Mazower's Governing the World, A History of an Idea. I took two things from Mazower's magisterial history of international governance. The first thing is that it's possible to tell a complex story about international politics that doesn't get lost in the detail. And the second is that it's possible to put people at the centre of such a story. There are many excellent histories of European integration, with the best known focusing on social forces, symmetry, and the power of economic ideas. And I don't dismiss the importance of such factors, but I do place people at the heart of my history of the European Union since 1992. So who are you going to meet in this book? Well, you're going to meet three groups of actors. First, heads of state or government. You'll meet Tony Blair, Wim Kok, and Poole Nairup Rasmussen, three leaders of the left who came to embody a political movement known as the Third Way. The Third Way played a critical role in restoring the left to power in the European Union in the 1990s, but it also played a role in the left's subsequent political decline. You'll meet Angela Merkel, both in her early days as an environment minister in Germany and during her long tenure as German Chancellor, during which she was at the forefront of one EU crisis after another. You'll meet Viktor Orban, both in his early days as a liberal reformer and more recently as a champion of an illiberal Europe. You'll meet Valdas Adamkus, whose transformational presidency of Lithuania challenges the idea of Central and Eastern Europe as a region in which the commitment to the EU's fundamental values withered after enlargement. You'll meet David Cameron, who gambled that a referendum would reaffirm the UK's place in the European Union and save his own political career, and lost on both counts. We'll also meet right-wing populists. I begin the book by talking about Sir James Goldsmith, an Anglo-French billionaire who had been a fairly pragmatic pro-European until he suddenly turned on Europe in the early 1990s at the time of the Maastricht Treaty signature. Sir James Goldsmith distilled a very new type of Euroscepticism and right-wing populism that proved hugely influential. Whether they realise it or not, people like Matteo Salvini in Italy, Marine Le Pen in France and Gert Wilders in the Netherlands are all following a set of arguments that Sir James Goldsmith was the first to articulate. The third group of actors you'll meet in the book are European officials. So of course I look at commission presidents from Jacques Delors, who actually was pretty sceptical about the Maastricht Treaty 
and downbeat about the prospects for European integration in the 1990s, all the way up to Ursula von der Leyen, whose leadership of the European Commission, particularly during COVID-19 and the war in Ukraine, has been underestimated. You'd also meet European commissioners like Vivian Redding, who played a crucial role in three policy areas during her three terms as a commissioner. In her first term, she played a major role in the area of culture, helping to promote European TV and film production. In her second, she headed up efforts to abolish roaming charges, which was probably the most popular policy produced by the EU over the last 30 years. And in her final term of office, she headed up efforts to defend the EU's fundamental rights. Here she was much less successful. She found out where the locus of power was in the European Union. And although the EU was willing to codify its values in the post-Maastricht period, too often member states were reluctant to defend those values. And there was very little that commissioners like Reading could do to make it otherwise. So what's the central argument of the book? The central argument of the book is that the EU is not driven by faceless officials, as we often hear in popular discourse about the European Union, but above all by heads of state or government. They consistently drove European integration forward and they stuck with the EU, especially in times of crisis. This helped facilitate cooperation, but it also had a downside because heads of state or government's beliefs were often underpinned by naive assumptions about globalization that paid too little attention to the distributional consequences of global trade. This naivety about globalization, I argue in the book, opened the door to right-wing populists who capitalized on popular discontent with the EU and with globalization. I argue that these tensions came to a head over Brexit, but not to an end. Indeed, they continued to play out over the EU's response to COVID-19 and the war in Ukraine. So I hope you'll find this book useful, whether you're a current or former student of the college, and that it will encourage you to think about the long arc of European integration and to reevaluate what the European project means to you. Thanks for listening. Please tune in for other upcoming podcasts on publications by visiting professors at the College of Europe.